Welcome back, everybody. This is Kim Honeycutt with ICU Talks podcast. Hear voices, and we're so glad you're here. I, I got to tell you, this is this is what I'm so excited about. All speakers for the month of April were fantastic. The topic was, he got you no matter what, God has you. And so each speaker was amazing. But one of my favorite people was Suzanne Stroud. It's Suzanne Stroud, and she was the main speaker. So Dan, was she... I mean, she was off the charts. She was actually very, very good. She was one of the top three speakers of the night. She was definitely the top three for the night. Absolutely. Powerful message and and well worth listening to. Yeah, she's one of those people that does a good job of just being honest and letting people know that she's not super spiritual, but she's super in love with God and just really cool. So Mm -hmm. y'all enjoy what you're about to hear. Amen. Hello. I had to concentrate because I envisioned myself tripping up them steps tonight. That, was, that would not have been good. That would not have been good. So I am so excited to be here. It is always an awesome uh, pleasure to share this stage, this, plat- uh, this platform with Kim. I and mean, She opens it up because if you know Kim, like she loves everybody. She loves Jesus and she loves for people to get up and tell their story. So I am so honored. Um, So I have a beautiful picture of me. You know, she already told you who I was and what I am and what I do. Look at that. (laughs) Wife, mother, and a grandmother. I have a six-month-old grandson, so I am really, really excited about that. And he is just adorable. But don't we all think our grandchildren are adorable? Um, So, but wait a minute. Before I get started, anybody got a birthday today? Today? Yesterday? Yesterday? You have a copy of my book, The Life Diet 365, Life, Liberty, and the Pursuit of You. I haven't written anything in a few years. I just keep peddling that one. (laughs) But I am in the process of writing something about marriage soon, so that should be interesting. I I am, like, uh, like she just said, this is my fifth time on this stage. And as we know, ICU Talks is, you know, about, they're about redeeming stories. So, you know, what I'm going to do tonight, we're going to do a redemption rewind reminder. Because, see, sometimes we have to be reminded of what God has done. We have to be reminded of what he pulled us through. So I'm going to take you back through the five times. So in 2015, I spoke on breaking the cycle of anger. That was nobody but Jesus that got me from being angry because I was a hot mess, y'all. I was a hot mess. Uh, 2016... Kim called me at 4 p.m. to come and speak at 7 p.m., so I put something together, and it was the topic that night was single, divorced, and married. And that night I talked about uh, up to year 15 how selfish I was, and I didn't realize how selfish I was with my husband. And I looked back on all of that, and he didn't have to put up with all of that. And as I was sharing my story on the stage that night, I was like, you know what? God, you kept me for real. Like, you really kept me for real. Then 2017 was Dear Younger Me. Now, talk about being a hot mess on that one. Now, you got to go back and look at that one because we not even going to. Those are some secrets I wish I hadn't let out on that one. That was like, whoa. And then last year, I spoke at the conference, Sucker Punch. And at that conference, I, I talked about, you know, how life was going good for, you know, me and my husband, you know, our kids. You know, my, my son was finally out of the house, so we were empty nesters, and my husband decided on Valentine's Day that he was going to come up to my job and tell me that he had retired from his job. We hadn't discussed that. 
we hadn't, we hadn't discussed that. And he was venturing with some other folks and they were gonna start a business. And they started a business and it went well for almost a year and then um, we had a little mini financial collapse in our country and we were, um, we were a part of that collapse. And we lost our house that year. And so it was just like nuts. But when I look at it, I know God had me because for the next two years, we lived in very nice places. One of the places was on the lake, and we didn't pay nobody. So I'm like, talk about God having you. That's an awesome thing. So, so sometimes you have to do a rewind in life to remind yourself of God having you. And so whether it's a minor incident or a major incident, God doesn't measure like we do. It is what it is for him. And so I want to just share a couple of phrases with y'all. You know, when you're going through stuff, people always say, what's one of the things you say? Won't he do it? (laughs) Can't say that. Then they say, God won't put on you no more than you can bear. Yes, he will. (laughs) Don't even, don't even fall for that one. God will put on you more than you can bear because once you're broken, he can use you. So don't fall for that one. So this one, it will be okay. Can you show that slide? I want everybody to resonate on this one. So I was talking to a coworker of mine. I have a slide that says um, it will be okay. I was talking to someone, and they actually ended up going out on disability. Well, they didn't know they were going out on disability. And that's one thing when you go to the doctor and then you don't know you're going out on disability. And the next thing, what do we all think about? You know, how am I going to? But, you know, you think if you hadn't slacked off, you should have some vacation time that they can kind of start using your sick time. And the person has, that person had been out of work for a while. And they came and they had a conversation with me and they were talking to me about their hardship, about how uh, the paychecks had stopped coming and she was just, she was sitting there, she was telling me, she said, but I, I'm believing God. She said, I just know God has something in here for me. And she used up her savings, she used everything that she had. And she sat there, she told me this story. She said her mom, when they were growing up, everything that they would, they would go through, she would say, it will be okay. Her dad was dying. Mom was saying, it will be okay. Mom herself was dying. She said, it will be okay. And she said it didn't really resonate with her until her situation, that she was actually getting through things and power was still on, she was still eating, driving a car, still in a car. She said, now I know what she meant by that. It will be okay means there's a certain peace that you have. There's a certain peace because when you're going through something, you have to understand that God has you. So Here's a familiar scripture. We all love this one. Now faith. You know, it was put that rumble in there. Now faith. Is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I want us to focus on the evidence of things not seen. Because as I was thinking about all of this, I looked back over all of my situations, and I I don't have the you know, hardship stories of, you know, abuse and homelessness and things of that nature. God bless those people who have been through those things and they have made it out. And I have been present to hear a lot of those stories. And it's evident that God is moving in our lives because he allowed us to, to sit and share these stories. So when we, 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 we always talk about now faith, now faith, you got to stand in now faith, no, now. 
But we always leave off that last part. So we always talking about hope. I hope it works out. Oh, I sure hope he asked me out on a date. Or sure hope my credit card gonna work. I'm coming up to the restaurant. <laughs> I hope the money's in the bank. <laughs> I hope my kids are gonna do well. I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope. But do you know that when you when you talk about hope, and it's great to have, hope is kind of like the seed. It's like the, the, the mixture of the, the cement of faith. Because, you know, before you can have the foundation of something, you kind of got to dig up, you got to get something started under it. The soil has to be right. But when we talk about evidence, I look at my own life, and I think about, especially when I talk about dear younger me. When I go back to dear younger me, I, when I tell you I was a hot mess, I was a hot mess. I was out there, I was borderline edging on criminal activity. I was, I was at the edge. You know how like you want to be with the tough kids? You want to be with the ones that, you know, they have the name and they're, do but you know that you have a mother at home that will come out in the streets looking for you? <laughs> I had one of those mothers. And I looked at dear younger me and I started focusing. I said, you know what? I said, God, even in all of my foolishness, even out there, I got mad at a boyfriend. And I said, you know what? I got to get this anger off of me. I can't just go to bed. I went, remember Tupperware had the little tumblers with the lids on? You had the nice tall one. Everybody had their favorite color, purple, the pink, the green. I showed up at his job with a cup of bleach to throw in his face. I've poured chocolate and all kinds of sugar in gas tanks. I've threatened to push cars off of cliffs. I've done, and even in all of that, when I look back, when I look back, the fact that I didn't push myself to make those hard decisions, that in the moment, in the moment I'm angry, in the moment I think it's right, in the moment we think that whatever decision that, that we have to make, that's the decision that we have to make. But we gotta focus on the evidence of what's not seen. And the one thing that kept me through a lot of what I was doing was I kept telling myself, I know that there's more for me than, than how I'm acting today. I know that there is more than how I, I'm behaving. And you know, my mother caught me one time. She said, you know, I was talking to somebody one day and they came to me and they said, I heard her talking to her friends. She didn't know I was there. She was cussing like a sailor. My mother said, no. <laughs> she was cussing like a sailor. And I look, I'm saying your, your nasty mouth, your nasty attitude, your vile attempts to hurt other people, where could that have landed me? Where would I be? if I had pushed through. Because you know, sometimes God gives us warnings about the things that we're trying to do, but he's gonna let us make the decision as to which way we're gonna go. And I remember a lot of those, it's like a slide going through my head right now. I'm thinking about it, I'm like, whoo, oh, 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 whoa, that you, whoo. They just flying by, I'm thinking about it. I'm just saying, but where? would I be? And even in my young age, 
I thought about, now my father was a pastor. Yes, I'm a PK. That's probably why I was rotten as you know what. I was just a hot mess. And I knew right from wrong. And God's word was in me. I just had to allow it to resonate. And so when I think about a lot of those things, I'm thinking about the evidence of what I'm actually seeing now in my life. You know, that, that girl back then, she was high school, 16, 17. I'm 52. I know. I know. I know. I know. But I'm 52 now. So there were decisions that were made and not made that are the evidence of right here. So whatever we're dealing with, whatever we're going through, we have to know that there's some evidence somewhere that, is, that looks a lot different and gives us clarity than where we are right now. You know, when you think about CSI and all those things, what do they look for? Evidence. Because the evidence changes the outcome of the case. Now, tweak that. I knew that wasn't even in my notes. <laughs> tweak that. And so now I'm walking, I'm even walking in my own um, evidence right now through a situation. I hope to come back and tell that story. But I keep looking at it and I'm saying, you know what? This is what it looks like. This is what it really looks like. You know, when you put on all that makeup and we put on our hair and our nails, but when, we, when you go to the hospital, you don't have none of that. You don't have your nails, you don't have your weave, you don't have, you don't have none. They strip you down to the bare. This is, is, is who you are. This is who you are. And so when we get to that point, we have to understand that there's another place than where we are right now. It looks bad. It looks grim. It looks sour. And I have to get up every day and I have to remind myself of that evidence. Of that evidence. So then another thing, you can show the slide with the, the aerial view. 4,400 miles of faith. Now, I don't ever proclaim to be super spiritual. Anybody that talked to me, I'm like, I am not that super spiritual one. I will get flesh in a minute. And I don't ever proclaim to have like that super faith. Oh, I'm just believing. Oh, this good. Yes, I'm just, oh, yes, this is, mm-mm. I was flying to Par London and Paris in 2012. And I don't like flying, but I know I can't swim. <laughs> so, so I have to board a plane. And all I thought about was the anxiety. I looked at a map. And I saw how far the United States was. And even that's up in New York, so I, the line should be down a little bit further. But I looked at that and I said, oh my God, that is a lot of water. And our flight was at night. And I just started thinking about things in the water that eat you or terrorists. I mean, I had all kinds of things. But I'm going to tell you how I got through. And I use this analogy through almost anything that I'm dealing with. Because the reason why we don't have faith is because we're not in control. We have to relinquish control. We have to relinquish control because in order to know that God has us, we have to have a free fall position. You got to be able to fall back. You got to be able to just say, you know what, I'm going to let you have this. And it wasn't until I got on that plane, I was still feeling some kind of way. 
I got on that plane. I got in my seat. Now, I maneuvered a window seat. Now, I lead the group, so I can go get me a window seat. I'm like, I got to go talk to the lady at the desk. I need a window seat, because if, if anything happened, I want to see it. <laughs> I'm not sitting on the end wondering what the, the guy at the window sleeping. He got the thing down. I can't see. I want to control that much of the flight, at least. And it wasn't until they taxied off and the wheels went up that I said, God, you got me. Because ain't nothing I can do. You act a fool on that plane if you want to, they'll make the next stop and put you off. I said, you got me. And I sat on that, what's that, nine hours? It's a seven-hour flight. Seven-hour flight. Seven-hour flight going over. And when I tell you it's pitch black, there's not even a glistening of the moon beaming off the water. It is dark. And I'm sitting on that plane, and I'm saying, all I do is I'm envisioning the evidence of London, because that's our first stop. I'm, I see London, because I've, I've got to get through this. I've got to get through all of that water to get to London. And that's how I do things in my life right now. I say, I see it, and I've got to get to that. And I realize that there's going to be a whole lot of water. It's going to be a whole lot of fire. It's going to be a whole lot of rocks. It's going to be all that stuff you have to get through in between. In between is just your muscle. It's your protein. It's your flexing. It's your, because once you get to that place, it's strengthening. So I had to keep, I had to keep that. And I promise y'all, that is how I get through. So I had to, like I said, now here's where I exercise my faith. Now, y'all may not be this way. Y'all may have y'all way of exercising your faith. Y'all, you know, I don't know. I'm not judging you, so don't judge me. But I know when I, there are a couple of things I know when I'm exercising my faith to the 10th degree. When I'm going under anesthesia, <laughs> I'm going under anesthesia, I'm in the middle of the ocean, or I'm up on that plane. Because... I use analogies because those are places where I have no control. No control. Once they do the countdown on the anesthesia, you have no idea what's happening. And that's how I've learned to do things in my life with everything that I go through. I'm like, you know what? I, I don't have control over this. I can't have control over this. There's nothing I can do because when you're going for surgery, something, if you're going for surgery, something you got to have. And you got to realize that you can't go under anesthesia stressed out. So you can't go, we can't go through everything that God is having us go through, stressed out, worried, complaining. Oh, I don't know how this is going, how are we going to get through? How are you going to get through? I don't know. I mean, this is just kind of tough. You got to look back. Like I said, it's a redemption rewind. You got to look back and you got to reach and you got to hold on to the thing that you got through before. Because that is how I get through a lot of things. That's how I, I'm getting through something right now. I am looking at the evidence of what's not seen. The evidence of what's not seen. So I have a, another scripture I want to share with you guys. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. We've heard this one, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Next slide. Next slide. Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. That's a two-part. Because you got to cast down the arguments that's in your head. you got to cast them down. And then what you got to do is you got to know. 
You got to know that you bringing them thoughts into captivity. When that thing comes up with doubt, God, I don't, can't even imagine. Mm-mm. I know how we're getting through this. Evidence of things not seen. Who, God, I don't know. My child's not acting right. Mm-mm. Evidence of things not seen. Because, see, you can't let them thoughts get out there. You can't let them thoughts get out there. Because once they get out there, they start orchestrating for you. And just how you start talking, that's just how it happens. They ain't never going to give me that loan. Hello, ma'am. Oh, your loan was denied. Well, how has that happened? You didn't bring that thought into captivity. You didn't bring that thought into captivity. So the thing that, 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 that I want to leave with you that's helping me to get through and know that God has me is that I, you have to understand that there's evidence. You got to bring them thoughts into captivity, and you have to just know that no matter what, he has you. So I got to share something. <clears throat> I want to share something with you. I'm kind of switching up here. Um, no, I'm not. I'm going to do this. So I'm talking about bringing thoughts into captivity and knowing the evidence of things not seen. 2016, I was sitting at my computer, and I watched the pastor of this church, Pastor Naeem, do his TED Talk. And I've been a fan of TED Talking for a minute. I would binge on TED Talks like nothing. I was like, yeah, one day I'm going to do that. One day I'm going to do that. One day. You know, when you say one day, then one day just becomes another day. One day. Just becomes another day. One day. One day don't have no title. You know, one day don't have no title. So I sat and I watched that and I said, next year, I'm going to be on the stage. So I contacted a good friend of mine that know how to do a whole lot of computer stuff. I had him create this picture right here. 2016. That's me on the ICU talk stage with the TED letters. I had him put those together. And I made this my profile on my Facebook page for the entire year. 2017, that's me standing on the actual TED stage. This was evidence of things not seen. This was evidence of things not seen. This was the faith. This was the faith. So I'm going to share something with you guys. I'm going to read this to you, and I'm going to tell you where this quote came from, which I thought was very profound, the fact that I was sitting down watching this. This quote says, I'm going to tell you the truth. I ain't never thought about death. I'm like, God's got me. I look at stuff like, what's that? Who's that? What? I've been getting shot at since high school. I've been in situations where I ain't supposed to make it, so they say. I'm still here. I don't wear no vests. You don't see me paranoid. I'm still running around eating off the land. I still get up and go hunt. I ain't never thought about death. Sound like a Christian, doesn't it? That quote is from Suge Knight, from the American Dream or American Nightmare. And for those of you that know who this gentleman is, you would never see him in a place like this, most likely. You would never see him quoting the Bible. You'd never see him. But when I heard this, I said, if a man like Suge Knight knows that God's got him, why are we acting like he doesn't? Why are we acting like he doesn't? Because, see, 
Shug said, yeah, I'll get shot out. He, he had some expletives. I had to put some other type of verbs and pronouns in there. I was like, I'm like, there won't be a sixth time on the ICU talk stage if I say everything he said. <laughs> but when I heard that, when he said, God's got me, you got to know that God's got all of us. It doesn't matter what a person does in the world, how we feel about them, what they do for a lifestyle, doesn't matter. So when, you walk, when you're driving or whatever you do and you see people out and you see people that are having tough times, even people that are having good times, God's got them, God's got them, and God's got you. Reminder, evidence of things not seen. Evidence of that promotion. This is a reminder for all of you. Where do you want to be? What do you want to do? Evidence of that promotion. Evidence of your dream home. God don't want everybody living in an apartment. He doesn't even want the people that's living on the street living on the street. Evidence of good health. You don't have to accept the doctor's report. Because God's got you. He's the doctor. He told them what to do. They just diverted and trying to do other stuff. For those of you college students, even yourself going back to school, evidence of free tuition. You ain't got to pay. Jesus paid it all. Didn't he say that? <laughs> Go to the tuition office and tell them that. <laughs> I ain't got to pay. Jesus paid it all. <laughs> evidence of financial abundance. Lack is not in his vocabulary. Lack is in Webster's vocabulary, but it's not in God's vocabulary. Evidence of. Evidence of a godly spouse. And you guys say godly. Everybody. <laughs> evidence of a godly spouse. If you want what God wants for you, you will have it. And ICU Talks is evidence that God has you no matter what. God, we thank you for this evening. We thank you for the malleable hearts. We thank you for a place that will give people redemptive hope. And God, we just honor you today, and we know that there is none greater than you. God, we thank you that lives will go out here changed, and they will go and tell the story about ICU Talk. And everything that ICU Talks needs shall be provided. And I thank you, God, for the opportunity. Will you stand and worship with us? And